know, when you start talking about Christmas, and we will be talking about Christmas these next few weeks, really Christmas is a big story that's made up of a lot of smaller stories. You really can't cover everything that happened in the Christmas story in just one message. And I want to take today and next Sunday and just break the Christmas story into some pieces and talk about a couple of things that we don't always talk about, but things that are important to our everyday lives. When you start talking about the Christmas story, you've got angels, you've got shepherds, you've got wise men, you've got Mary, you've got Joseph, and, and on and on and on the story goes. Today, we're going to focus on the story of a man by the name of Zacharias. If you know your Bible and you know all the story of Christmas, you already know the story. If you don't know it, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it today. We're going to look at the story of Zacharias, and we're going to start reading in Luke chapter 1 in just a moment. But You know, I love Christmas time because it's the one time of the year when people are giving. Now, I know some people give year-round, but most people, they don't really give a lot. Flip side of that is there are a lot of people who don't receive gifts all throughout the year except maybe a birthday and of course at Christmas time. Christmas is about giving and we learn giving from God. God is a good God. His nature is to give beginning with his son and then every good and perfect gift that follows. But today I want to focus on something that God has dropped in my heart that I really think is important for this day. And it just might be that perhaps God is wanting to renew something inside of us in this Christmas season. And I'm going to look at an encounter that Zacharias had with an angel. And there's really four parts to this story that I want you to see. And there's some thoughts that go along with this story that I think are really, really important. And let me ask you a question today. Have you ever given up on a dream Have you ever given up on a dream? Have, have you ever had a desire in your heart, something, a, a passion in your heart? And you asked God about it, you prayed about it, you felt like God's going to do something, but time passed and things didn't work out the way you thought, so you set it aside and just sort of gave up on it? I believe today God's going to stir some things. This isn't a Christmas message, but I think it really ties in well with the Christmas season. Look at Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> We're going to read a lot of verses today to this story, and then I'll make some comments along the way. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse number 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Now, if you can't remember the name Zacharias, think of Pastor Zach. He is a Zacharias, okay? So, the priest whose name is Zechariah of the division of Abijah, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So we've got the priest's name, Zacharias, his wife whose name is Elizabeth. We're not going to deal much with Elizabeth today. We'll talk about her next week. Look at verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Now, I want to pause here for just a moment because Scripture paints this picture of this priest and his wife. And 
They were the kind of godly people you'd look at and you'd say, we want to follow their example. We want to be like them. If there are ever godly people, Zacharias and Elizabeth, that would be them. So let's imitate their lives. But I want you to see what happens. Verse number seven says, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. So what we see here is this husband and wife, a priest and his wife, they're godly people. They're serving God with all their hearts, but they've had this ache inside forever because they wanted a child, but they've never had a child. When we read on a little further, they've prayed about it. They've asked God about it, but there's been no answer to their prayer, and they've learned to live with that ache in their hearts. So verse number eight says, so it was that while he, Zacharias, was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now, without taking a lot of time with this, just to set up what it's saying here, this priest was a part of a family of priests, and from time to time, his group would have responsibilities in the temple. And they would draw lots to determine which of the priests would go in and offer up incense on the altar to God. And it just so happened that his lot was drawn, and it became his time, Zechariah's time, to go in and offer up the incense on the altar to the Lord, and it was probably on a Sabbath day which meant that a lot of people were gathered outside the temple. And, and here's what you need to understand. In Scripture, incense usually refers to praise and worship and prayer. Praise and worship and prayer. It was an honor to be nominated and chosen and taken by lot as the priest to go in and burn the incense to offer the praise and the worship and the prayers before the Lord. It was a high honor. And it so happened on one day when it was his time that he went into the temple to lead the time of praise and worship and prayer unto the Lord with a multitude of people gathered outside. And verse 10 says, the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Now, let me make some comments about these verses before we move on. Zacharias was given the honor of leading worship and prayer to the Lord. Worship and prayer is really, really important. Worship is important. Prayer is important. We talk a lot here about being in a relationship with God. If there's no worship to God, if there's no prayer to God, there is no relationship with God. And so in the Old Testament days, with all of the form, with all of the things that they went through, all the traditions, all the laws that they had, through time as it passed, it was really easy for their religion to become just ritualism. It was really easy to have very little life, and it was more and more common for more people to stay home and fewer people to gather at the time of prayer. But one day when this priest, who's a godly man, 
I mean, he's a follower of God. His heart is committed to God. His life has been committed to God. He's been given the honor of leading worship and prayer. He goes into the temple of God, but he's got this ache in his heart. You see, worship and prayer should position us and prepare us to hear from God and receive from God. See, from time to time, I, I, I teach on worship and prayer. I did just a few weeks ago a little bit. I love the first part of our services because it gives us a time to praise God and worship God. And God inhabits our praise. And one of the things I've heard is, God speaks to me more during praise and worship than any other time in my week. Because these are the times when I'm honoring God, I'm welcoming His presence, and He's doing a work in my heart of preparation for the days to come. And it needs to be that way for all of us. And for Zacharias, he goes in to offer up this incense to God. And this should be a time of joy and a time of celebration and a time of expectation. That's the way our worship time should be. It should be a time of joy and a time of expectation. Because we're expecting God to get involved in the everyday activities of life. But evidently, Zacharias... With his age, the years creeping by, he kind of given up on this idea of having a child. He's old. His wife is old. They've prayed. They've asked God. It just didn't happen. So he learned to live with this ache in his heart. Did you know it's possible to become so busy with religious duty that we no longer expect the freshness of God's provision. See, there's a reason why in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. He wasn't just talking about eternal life. He was talking about an everyday freshness in life where we wake up and find that God's mercies and blessings are new every morning. God wants us to live with that freshness. He wants us to have that joy and that expectation. But evidently, somewhere along the line, the hurt, the pain, the disappointment, the years, the tradition, all of it rolled together, began to affect Zacharias. You see, God honors our faith. God honors our faith. Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God honors our faith, but you know, some of us live with this thinking that, well, God will honor my faith my track record of duty. I'll serve God. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. And maybe if I do enough, finally God will answer my prayer. Some of us are always trying to find an angle. Well, how, how do I do this? How do I pull this off? How do I get God's attention? What do I have to do? Do I have to serve seven Sundays in a row, 10 Sundays in a row? Do I have to give extra offering? What do I have to do to earn God's blessing? Friend, God doesn't want us to try to earn his blessing. God wants us to have the joy of salvation that comes with the free spirit that allows us to expect God to continually be doing new things in our lives. That's what God has for us. You know, sometimes I think we, we get into confusion. And sometimes our prayer lives and our expectation is affected. Because we pray a prayer, things don't happen when we think it should, and we just decide, well, it must not be God's will, so we try to put it on a shelf and just move on without it. I think that's what Zacharias was trying to do. You know, in James, uh, I think third, fourth chapter, fourth chapter, I believe it is, 
James talked about this. He said, you know, sometimes you ask, and you ask for things just because you want it for yourself, or you want to feed your ego, and you ask God to do this goofy thing or that goofy thing, and then God doesn't do what you want, when you want, and you get discouraged, and you just stop asking. And he said, as a result, you have not because you ask not. Did you know it's a principle of God's word that we're to ask for the things we need and the things that we desire? Jesus taught that. You know, some of us go through life, well, God's just going to dump on me what he does, and when he doesn't do, he doesn't do. I just, I have no control over that. No, you don't, but you have the ability to pray and talk to God about it. And Jesus said, ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. Literally, it means to ask and keep asking and not give up until we receive the things God's promised to us. And you know, through the years I've learned that it's not always the most faithful, upright people who have the most faith. We need to check our faith because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, let's go to the second part of the story. Skip on down to verse 11. So Zacharias is in there offering up the incense, and here's what happens in verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appears to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Now, let's pause here just a moment. Throughout the Old Testament, you see it time and again. When an angel of the Lord appeared, people were afraid they were going to die. It probably goes back to the time when God appeared to Moses on the mountain and told, told Moses, keep the people away from me because if they get too close and look on me, they'll all die. So there was this thought pattern, this, the, this uh, superstition, this belief among the Jewish religion that said, if you see God, you're going to die. So every time an angel showed up, you'll find it in the Old Testament. You see it even in the beginning of the New Testament. People fell on their face. They were terrified because they thought they were going to die. Zacharias, as he's offering up incense, looks to the right, and there's an, suddenly an angel that appears out of nowhere. And Zechariah is terrified. Now, let, let me... Give you a little thread here. Throughout Scripture, when you see angels, you don't see this cute little silver and white thing with a little halo flying around. That's not what an angel was. When an angel showed up, it was usually some huge, masculine, awesome dude that showed up, and it's just kind of like, you know, not a big smile on his face, not anything. I'm just here with the message, or I'm here to do a job, and that's it. Angels, when they showed up, you knew something unusual was there. So that's what happened with Zechariah. Now look at verse 13. So the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Now think about this. Don't be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayer is heard. This guy and his wife had been praying for years and hoping for years, and they've just kind of given up on the whole thing. And this angel shows up and says, hey, man, I'm here to tell you God's heard your prayer. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now let's keep reading. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. 
He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, that's a lot. Okay, there's a lot right there, but let me break it down real fast. This angel shows up. Zacharias, don't be afraid of me. I've got good news for you. God's heard your prayer. You and Elizabeth are going to have a son. And you're going to name him John. That wasn't the family name. Nobody else in the family was named John. But he says, you're going to name this one John. Oh, and not only that, he's going to be great. So important to God's plan in the future. People are going to admire him. You're going to admire him. But you're going to raise him this way and do this and do that and take care of it and make sure you raise him to know God and serve God. And he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Oh, yeah, and not only that, but remember the last thing God said to the nation of Israel back in Malachi chapter 4 at the end of the Old Testament? He's sending this servant to prepare the way for his son. This is the guy right here. This guy is fulfilling Scripture. He's your son. He's coming your way. Get ready for it now. It's going to be amazing. You know, God answers prayer. Different ways, different times. And here's what I've learned about God answering prayer. Sometimes God's answer to prayer is a matter of timing. Sometimes God's answer to prayer is a matter of positioning. God's got to get you to the right place to drop something on you. Sometimes God's answer to prayer is a matter of his purposes. But when we pray... We get all wrapped up in what we want and all we can think is, God, gimme, 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 gimme for my reasons. Everybody smile at me this morning. It's true. You know, sometimes God answers my prayer as I answer his call. Sometimes God answers my prayer as I answer his call. Here's what Psalms 37 4 says. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That word delight in the original writings means to be pliable in the hands of God. It means to be like clay or putty in God's hands. Keep your heart soft before God. Let him mold and shape. Let him direct. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. And if you'll do that, God will give you the desires of your heart. You know, all throughout Scripture, we see it time and again. Whenever God opened up a womb that had been closed, he did it for a purpose. And we tend to focus on our wants and on our needs and our desires. And we ask for those things, but God tends to focus on purpose. His eternal purposes. And I think this morning... One of the things God's trying to do is adjust our hearts to realize if God's delaying, if God's not doing things the way I think, maybe there's more to this than what I realize. Maybe God's got something bigger in mind. Maybe he's not going to just drop a son on me. Maybe God's going to give me a John the Baptist. Who knows? Who knows? You know, 
Why do we so closely follow God if we don't believe it matters? Why would we believe God and say that God can do great things and God can work miracles and we sing songs about it and say nothing's impossible to God, but then when God doesn't work the way we think he should, we tend to just walk away and say, well, forget about it. Now, look if you would. Verse number 18. Let's pick up the story. Zacharias said to the angel, now you got to get this. Zacharias the priest hears from the angel and the angel lays out all this stuff that God's about to do. And so Zechariah feels the need to respond to the angel. Here's what he says. How shall I know this? How shall I know this? There's a lot to this little statement right here. And I've spent a lot, a lot of time the last week and a half studying this. But in essence, in essence, what this high priest said to the angel was, well, you need to give me another sign because I'm not sure you're telling me the truth. Now think about that. This is God's messenger. This is God's representative. This angel shows up with a message from God. And the first thing the priest says to him is, give me another sign. I, I'm not sure I can believe you. How do I know this is all true? Then he goes on to say this, for I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. So the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, verse number 20, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. Verse 21, the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. In other words, here's what happened. The angel said to Zacharias, okay, look, dude, you don't believe me. You don't believe God. You don't trust God. You don't have any faith for this. But God's going to do this. You've been praying for this. God's answering a prayer. And in order for you to keep from messing things up, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to shut your mouth so you can't talk anymore till this thing is done. And Zacharias said, <laughs> didn't whisper, didn't make noises. It was just, couldn't talk at all. He was dumb. He, was, he could not speak whatsoever. And as you read the story on, there's a good possibility he was also deaf. Because everybody's making hand motions back and forth trying to communicate with him. But the angel said, look, God's got a bigger plan here. You've been praying for this, and just because it didn't come in your time doesn't mean it wasn't coming. Now it's coming. You need to believe God. But just to make sure you don't mess this whole thing up, I'm going to shut your mouth until this thing is done. Interesting. So skip down to verse 23. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Now, I want to take this, this little part of the story. I want you to notice a couple of things with me. Really important. Notice, notice what Zechariah said. Do you expect me to believe this? Do you expect me to believe this? You need to give me another sign or I'm not going to believe you. That's what this man said. 
My wife is old. I'm old. We've been waiting all these years. It never came to pass. You're playing with my emotions again. Come on. Give me a break. And of course, when he gets finished laying all this out, I think Gabriel's just kind of stunned at this whole thing. Now listen to me. To doubt God's word and to doubt God's promise is to doubt God's character. If I, if I can't believe God's word, I can't believe anything he says. If I can't believe one promise, if I can't believe all of them, I can't believe any of them. And so basically, Gabriel's standing there saying, so, so you're challenging the nature of God? Is that what you're doing? You're saying God lies? Is that what you're saying here? And so what Gabriel says, I love it, because to this point in time in the conversation, this angel's just standing there talking to Zacharias. But then Gabriel says this. He says, first of all, you don't know who I am. He says, I'm not your garden variety angel. He said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God always. Go back to read the book of Daniel. I'm the one who came and appeared to Daniel and revealed all of those dreams and visions to him. I'm the one who went and did war with the prince of Persia. I'm the one who goes and takes on evil spirits, even evil empires. I'm the one that God sends to fight battles. And you have the audacity to insult God and insult me by questioning whether or not this is real? You don't know who you're talking to. So, Zacharias, just be deaf. Just be dumb. There have been a few times in my life where I wish God had closed my mouth to keep me from messing some things up. Can I get two or three head nods in the house? Come on, some bobbleheads. Boy, there's been some times and I looked at things and said, God, I don't understand what in the world you are doing. It's obvious you were going to do this and this and this, and then it didn't come about, so we went in this direction, and all of a sudden you show up again, and here you are doing this. Let me tell you something. If God makes a promise, take it to the bank and wait for it, because God's going to do what he said he will do. That's our God. Sure enough, sure enough, nine months later, along comes John the Baptist. Now, let me, let me give you a little side note here. I'm almost to the end of my message, but let me give you a side note. I have this theory. I haven't spent a lot of time studying angels, but I've read a lot of stories in the Bible where angels appeared with messages and I watch how they interact. Here's my theory. You know, angels are created beings but I get the impression they're not really, really emotional. They're just kind of like all business. They just come do their job and then they, they go back where they're supposed to go. In other words, they don't seem to have a lot of personality and a lot of emotion. See, I, I really don't think that Gabriel showed up and said, Hey, Zacharias, dude, God has sent me to you, man. You can't believe what's about to happen. It's going to be so cool, man. You're going to have a son. Yeah, man. You're going to have a son. He's going to be cool. Everybody's going to think he's a rocker, man. He's going to be great. He's just the coolest thing. This is going to rock your world. It's going to be great. <laughs> Wasn't like that. This guy just shows up. Here it is. You're going to have a son. He's going to be great. This is how you're going to raise him. He's the guy from Malachi chapter 4 that God has talked about. You better raise him right and do your job, okay? 
What? You don't believe me? Fine. Then let me just shut your mouth until I'm done. That's kind of how angels are. You know, I, I was reading, again, the story of, of Abraham and Sarah. You know, the angel appears to them and says, hey, you're going to have a son. And Sarah's behind the tent going, <laughs> I'm an old woman. She's laughing. I don't know if she was laughing in, in fear, if she was laughing with excitement. I don't know what was causing her to laugh, but she's laughing. And the angel turns around and says, what are you laughing about? They don't have a sense of humor. It's not like if, if one showed up at my house, it'd take him a long time to figure me out. You know, because he just, they, they just seem to be all business. But this angel, Gabriel, was definitely all business. Listen to me and said, God's involved here. This is bigger than you know. Your prayer is now being answered. Time doesn't matter to God. It's the season. You're going to have a son. Get ready because this son is important to God. Now, let's go to the last part of the message. Go down to verse 59. John the Baptist is born. They bring him for dedication. Look at verse 59. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. But his mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who's called by this name. You're breaking tradition. Verse 62, So they made signs to his father. They asked mom, What's the boy's name? Well, how many of you know if dad can't talk, doesn't he know what's going on? Mom's probably going to name that boy what she wants to name that boy. So they look at dad. Dad says, give me, a, give me a writing tablet. I want to write. They get him a writing tablet, and he writes on there, his name is John. And as soon as he writes it out and hands it to the people, they look at it. Immediately it says that his mouth is open and he begins to praise God. It says something for obedience. You can never disconnect faith from obedience. Faith is obedience. Obedience is faith. You can't separate the two. Nine or ten months of this ordeal, not being able to speak and communicate, he'd had enough. He was ready to be obedient to the Lord. Now, I want you to notice there's always a reward that comes with obedience to God. Obedience isn't drudgery. Obedience is a pathway to bigger things. And it took a while to get Zacharias to figure this out and get on the right path. After several months of this, he, he, had, a, he had a good taste of it. It's time to listen to God. Set aside, listen to me, set aside what I want this son to be. Let's make this son what God's created him to be. How many times do we pray for blessings? To make us what we want to be. But we overlook the fact that God blesses us for his purposes as well. Things that he wants to accomplish. One more verse. Look at verse 80. <clears throat> so the child grew, became strong in spirit, and was in the deserts 
till the day of his manifestation to Israel. The last little part of this message, I, I want to make you aware of something. Some of you know this, some of you may not. There's very little written about the childhood of Jesus. Really, the only thing we know about his childhood is when he went to the temple at 12 years of age. John the Baptist, there's really nothing known, nothing written about anything that happened when he was a child. Except that it says his parents raised him out in the wilderness desert areas until the day God called him and presented him to the nation of Israel. Now, let me set this up for you. When John the Baptist began his ministry, he began to preach a message of repent. Turn to God. Turn from your sins. Turn to God. The kingdom of heaven is coming. John didn't go to Jerusalem. He didn't go to the cities. He didn't go to the popular places. John preached out in the wilderness. And the spirit of God began to draw people by the dozens and then the hundreds and the thousands. The people came to John. And the interesting thing is, the only thing we know really about John is he was raised out in this desert area. But when he began his ministry, he was known as the guy who ran around wearing camel skins and eating grasshoppers and honey. That's what it says. He ate locusts and wild honey. He dressed different. He ate differently. He was different than everybody else, but the Spirit of God was upon him. Which brings me to the final point. When God drops something special into our lives, it comes with responsibility. It comes with purpose. As you go through Scripture, there were several times when God opened a womb and sent a child. And when God did that, parents took on the heavy responsibility of nurturing a child to be everything God wanted that child to be, not what they wanted it to be. Whenever we dedicate children, I talk a little bit about this. When God drops those precious children into our lives, they're not there just for us to put our names on and our looks on and make what we want to be. We have the responsibility before God to let them become what God created them to be. If needs be, move to the desert for them to be prepared for the life that God has for them. You know, sometimes I think in our world we get caught up, oh, I want my child to be cool. I want my child to be accepted. I want my child to be popular. I want my, you know, you know I want all this stuff for my kid. The more important question is, do we want our children to be what God created them to be? Do we know what they're being taught at school? Do we know what their friends are teaching them? Are we aware of what's being put into them? Because God gives us the responsibility of having this amazing blessing in our homes. But when they become adults, they're there for God's use, not for ours. But then let's flip it over. Shouldn't that be true of every blessing that God puts in our lives? With every blessing God gives us, there's a responsibility to steward it. 
the way God intended. So maybe today in closing my message, maybe there's some things that's been living in your heart, but you put them way in the back shelves. Maybe there's some dreams and desires there that God didn't say give up. God said it's not time yet. It's not time yet. Or maybe I'm so wrapped up in what I want that I haven't stopped to say, God, what do you want in this? Maybe if I can tie my heart around God's purposes, maybe God will tie his blessing around my life. I want to pray this morning. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads. For some people sitting in this room, watching online or listening to this later, your podcast, God's talking to a lot of people today. Just because things haven't happened the way we thought they should doesn't mean God's given up. And I want to pray for you today because I know there are people in this room who are saying, God, what about this promise? And, and God, what about that one? And God, what about this one thing that just burns in my heart over and over again, day after day? God, when's that ever, ever going to happen? Maybe this is the day where we stop and say, God, show me your purposes for my life and for your blessings in my life. Show me the reason why you want to bless me. Help me understand that you bless me that I might be a blessing. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray for you this morning. Father, all across this room, all the way into people's homes, wherever people might be, I pray right now that the Spirit of God would stir up the dreams, the visions, the hopes and desires that you've put in people's hearts. That the things that you said you would do, that we've set aside, we would pick those things up and change our voice and say, God, I believe, help my unbelief. God, I don't want to give up on something that you said would come to pass. Father, forgive me for doubting. Forgive me for becoming discouraged and complacent challenge my heart today to believe you wholeheartedly. Father, I want to rise up in faith. God, I open up my spiritual womb that you might pour everything into my life that you said you would give me. God, I open it up to receive. I close nothing off from you. Father, I want all of your goodness and all of your blessings. I want your mercies to be new every morning. So I open my life to you. Show me your purposes in my life. In Jesus' name. While heads are still bowed for one more moment. Maybe you're here in the building or watching online or listening to this later. Maybe, maybe you've listened to this message and you realized, I've always had a desire in my heart to know God. I've always had questions about eternity. I, I want to be in a position where I can know God and know that my life is right with God. You might say, well, Gary, I don't want religion. We're not interested in giving you religion. We want to bring you into relationship with God who knows everything about you and has made great plans for you. But he needs you to open your heart. He needs you to accept him into your life. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody in the house to, to pray with us this morning. Simple words of faith that will open up our hearts. Give God a chance to start working in our lives. It doesn't matter what God's plans are for you until you open your heart and say, God, I receive them.
I receive you. So let's pray this prayer right out loud. Everybody pray with me. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I want your goodness. I want your blessings. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I want to learn your ways. I want to know you. And I want to follow you. So from this day forward, you will be my father. and I'll be your child. Thank you for calling me and receiving me today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, it's the most important prayer you can ever pray in your entire life. But it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning of this relationship with God. So we want to help you build this relationship. We've got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's a simple little tool, simple reading. But it's something that will help you begin understanding God's plan for your life. Start building that relationship with God. We want to give it to you. If you're in the room today, when service is over, we'll have prayer teams down front on each side. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. We want to give this booklet to you. Just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you're in a really big rush out in the lobby in the very center between, or in the middle of the glass doors, there's a counter set up there. You can stop by, get the very same booklet there. It's a tool that I promise you will help you start your relationship with God. Let us give it to you today. And we want to welcome you into God's family today. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers today? God bless you. Awesome. Can we give Pastor Gary a hand for that great message today? So good. Oh, well, at this time in our service, we are going to worship God with our giving. And as we prepare to do that, we really just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your continual faithfulness in giving. You know, Every person's gift, no matter the size, is so significant because it's our collective giving that is truly making a difference in so many people's lives across the globe, through all of our different missions efforts, and here locally through our weekly services and our community care program where we provide food for people in need all across this valley every single week. And so as you give, just know that you truly are making a difference difference in people's lives. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. And on the screens, you'll see the different ways in which you can give. If you prefer to give in person today, we do have giving stations located on the side walls just before you exit the auditorium, and there are envelopes located on the seat backs. All right. Thank you so much for giving. It's been great being in church with you today. We love you. We pray for you. Have an amazing week.